The Meaningful Use program was intended to make electronic health records fully functional, allowing physicians to coordinate care and giving patients a window into their own results. If they performed as intended, they would eliminate redundancies, like duplicate lab tests, they would improve quality, and they would bring about cost savings. Unfortunately, many don't work well, and many providers who invested into systems they believe were compliant are getting penalized. You're listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD, and I am Dr. Jennifer Cottle. Joining me today is Laura Worcester, Vice President of Public Policy at the American Osteopathic Association. Laura, welcome to ReachMD. Hi, how are you? So let's get started. You know, physicians and healthcare systems are really struggling with the meaningful use standards. Um, actually, this is something I can attest to personally. <laughs> can you help us really understand why this really isn't working? Sure. So the program, when it was first started, was intended to encourage physicians and hospitals to adopt electronic health records. Um, the idea was that they'd be safer. It would allow for less medical errors. It would allow for more accurate charts, and it would prevent a lot of duplicate testing. In order to encourage physicians to do that, the program was done through the government and physicians were offered incentives if they adopted electronic health records that met certain standards. If they adopted them early, they got additional incentives. If they adopted them later on, they no longer qualified for incentives. And if they really waited a very long time, they would start being penalized. And that penalty started as a percentage removed from their Medicare patients' reimbursements. Thank you. So can you talk a little bit about what the most significant problems are about the system? Sure. So I think the way the system was originally envisioned was that physicians would be able to share electronic health records for patients. And that's where you would get all those benefits. If a physician treated a patient, the medical history would be down, all the drugs that the patient was prescribed would be in the chart. And then the next physician who needed to see all that information would have access to it. Certainly in emergency situations, that's where you would get all those benefits. The biggest barrier is that a lot of these systems don't speak to each other. The computer systems are not interoperable is the term that we use. Um, and that's where the biggest benefit would come from. Yeah, that's very interesting. CMS just issued some new rules about meaningful use. Can you maybe make a comment about those? But really specifically, do you think that these new rules will fix some of the issues you just discussed? Sure. So the rules that CMS just released are for the next stage of the program. And one of the biggest challenges physicians have had is the first stage of the program was pretty basic. It was adopt this electronic health record that has these minimum standards. The next phase started to put in a lot of sort of a high bar for physicians to reach to encourage them to use some of these more interoperable features. Unfortunately, those are the features that don't work. So physicians maybe had to transmit a summary of care to another physician a certain number of times, which that's a great idea. But if there are no other physicians in your community who have electronic health records that are capable of receiving a record, you can't meet that requirement. So the rules that just came out were supposed to soften some of the stage two requirements. There was a little bit of easing on the requirements in there, but along with those were all the rules for the third stage of the program, which is really a much higher bar. And only 10% of physicians have even reached stage two. So what we're concerned about is that the stage three 
it's way too far ahead. If I think we need to fix what's wrong with stage two program first and let physicians catch up before we keep moving the bar higher. So that's a really great point that you're making. And, and it leads to my next question then. So if almost 90% of providers are, are falling into the fail category, you know, is CMS going to delay the penalties? Are there going to be changes made? You mentioned that it might be important to fix some things, but what do you think is going to happen actually? Certainly CMS has heard from a lot of physician organizations on behalf of their members and physicians themselves have reached out to CMS asking for some changes. CMS does have to balance what was in the original law that created this program. So to make changes to it might actually end up requiring congressional action. So I think CMS is looking at what's possible. The AOA has certainly been working with the agency to figure out if there are ways that we can ease some of these requirements for providers. The biggest hurdle on the program is that when Congress passed it, the way it was structured is that it has a sort of all-or-nothing pass-fail approach. So a physician could purchase the system, they could implement it, they could report on all the measures in it, and if they get just one thing wrong, they will fail and get the same penalty as a physician who really just threw his hands up and decided not to purchase a system at all. So I think that's one of the biggest problems is it's really penalizing physicians who are trying to do everything right, but whether they've had a technical issue, whether their vendor didn't end up upgrading systems the way they were supposed to, whether they moved practices and had their year interrupted, all those things are making it really hard for physicians to succeed. And I think that's why we're seeing that really low number of uh, just a little over 10% who have made it to stage two. The American Osteopathic Association is the professional home for the nation's 122,000 DOs and osteopathic medical students. You know, how are the meaningful use rules affecting your members, and what changes do osteopathic physicians really want to see? So we've definitely heard from a lot of our members that they're frustrated with this program, and they feel that it's starting to get between them and their patients. So I think one of the changes they'd like to see is a system that rewards physicians for using electronic health records to truly improve the quality of care. Right now, it's a lot of checkboxes, and that has really nothing to do with how osteopathic physicians treat their patients. It gets in the way of, of looking at that whole person approach. You know, that's interesting. That's actually one thing I was thinking of as an osteopathic physician myself. That's something that I spend a lot of time doing is is clicking boxes and checking off boxes. And you do have to wonder if that's what you want to be spending your time doing and if that's the best in the best interest for the patient, you know. Are, are you hopeful? <laughs> I guess I'm speaking for myself and for all of my colleagues out there, osteopathic physicians, allopathic physicians, you know. Are you hopeful that some of these things really will be heard, that our voices will be heard with regards to click boxes and other things? Yeah, I think we're we're hitting sort of a groundswell, especially this year. And I think as this year ends, that's, that's where we're going to hear the most. Congress has started to really take an interest. Members of Congress are listening to the physicians that are in their districts. This is the biggest complaint that they hear. And there have already been several bills put out by different members of Congress to try to address some of this. The House of Representatives passed a bill called the 21st Century Cures Act earlier this year, and it focuses mostly on innovation and pharmaceutical and research. But there was also a big section on it on interoperability of electronic health records that made a lot of changes or proposed a lot of changes for vendors, It required a lot of transparency so that physicians would know what type of systems they were buying. And they would have maybe some hardship exceptions if their vendor, for example, went out of business or their products didn't end up meeting the government standards. So I think we're, we're seeing a lot of action by Congress 
Congress to to take this seriously and do something. Um, I think what ends up happening exactly will remain to be seen, but I'm hopeful that physicians will see some relief soon. That's helpful to know. You know, what do you think is the best approach for physicians who are listening? You know, physicians who want their voices heard. How do we reach people in Washington? Are there other people we should be reaching as well? And, and how do you think we should go about doing this? So I think the, the best way to have your voice heard is to reach out to your member of Congress, both in the House and the Senate. You can look that up. If you go to the House of Representatives website, you just put in your zip code, you'll find out who your members of Congress are. They have web pages where they want to hear from constituents. You can call their office as well. All they want to know is what your zip code is usually just so they can confirm that you are in fact a constituent and tell them how you feel about this. It'll be a staffer that answers the phone and they that's what they're there to do. They are there to listen to the constituents. And I think all that feedback is what is causing Congress to take action. And when Congress takes action, it puts pressure on CMS and then hopefully CMS will be able to work with them to come up with a solution that benefits physicians and their patients. Well, thank you so much. And finally, what message would you like to give physicians who are out there in the trenches seeing patients every single day and really working to do the best they can in the system that we have? So I think what would be great is that as frustrated as physicians might be with this program, certainly understandably, I hope that as things progress, they don't lose sight of the potential benefits electronic health records and health information technology can really hold for how they practice medicine and the care that they're able to provide for their patients. I think a lot of these can become really great tools to have more information about your patient. And the more information you have about your patient, I think the the better you can have that whole person approach to treating them successfully. Well, I want to give a big thanks to Laura Worcester. Uh, she's the Vice President of Public Policy at the American Osteopathic Association. Thank you so much for having me. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Caudill, and you've been listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD. To download this podcast and others in this series, please visit us at reachmd.com slash everydayfamilymedicine. And we encourage you to like, share, and comment on this podcast. Thank you for listening.